0: But I don't regret doing, doing uh, what I did because it was very rewarding, very inspiring and it was what I wanted to do at the moment and I, and I think that's important to do what you, you feel like at the moment and I understand them but no, I have to, to listen to listen to myself as well.
1: What is up guys, my name is Sam Matler, this is the EDM Podcast, a show where I talk to artists, producers, people in the industry, uh, but mostly producers, let's be honest. Today's episode is episode 35 and it's with a very special producer, uh, a Swedish trance legend, his name is Bjorn Ekson. he has been around for quite a while. One of his early releases was in 2004, Uh, obviously the year is 2016 now so that's a good 12 years so he's been around for a while uh, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get him on the other reason of course is because his music is phenomenal so if you haven't heard of him or heard his music make sure you do that uh, after this episode or before uh, if you've got the time in this episode we talk about a bunch of things uh, including how Bjorn got into music production uh, his latest remix of Come Get Some by Indecent Noise How to Build Energy in a Track And also whether it's good for new producers to focus on remixes or originals or both at the same time. So make sure you listen to the end for the answer to that question. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the interview. Here is Bjorn Ackerson. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back to the EDM Podcast. I'm Sam Matler and today I'm joined by Bjorn Ackerson Did I pronounce that right? Um, kind
0: of yeah you can you can <laughs> pronounce it in a, in a bit of different ways, but that's fine,
1: right, gotcha uh how are you today? uh I'm good, thanks. How about yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Hey, thanks for coming on. I know it's late over there uh really appreciate it,
0: and no problem, so it's always it nice to talk about production, so
1: yeah, absolutely uh now you've been doing this for quite a while. I think I was looking at your discography, and one of the first releases was. In 2004, I believe, or was it earlier? Yeah, yeah, 2004. So so, how did you get into music in the first place? And from that point, how have you got to where you are today? Uh, well, basically, uh, when I was in um,
0: elementary school, um, I was hanging out with some new friends that listened to trans music, and uh, I've never heard it before, so it was very new and exciting to me. Uh, I've been listening to similar music before, but not really trans. So that got me very interested. Uh and at the same time that they introduced this music for me, they also had like a software where you can make music. Um and I was very into computers and technology. Uh about then I was doing a lot of programming. Mm-hmm. So this whole idea about making your music with a with just a, a software would was like very interesting. So I, I wanted to get started with that right away so we made music together and I made my own music they made their their own and things kind of continued from that and we had like a local youth club where you can go after school and they had some basic DJ equipment so we started Mm -hmm. like DJing at the same time as well and then I just kept going and my friends were stopping with the with with making music you know they they start with that software and i kept going and i was getting more advanced stuff uh, to make music with so i kept on and they um they left and uh from that on i kind of just wanted to get better and better and i i started to see uh the real trans scene with the vinyl releases and Mm -hmm. cd compilations and i wanted to be be a be a part of that so i had to work hard to get my um quality better and make more interesting tracks so i made a lot of music to kind of get further in Mm. and so i I guess my
1: hard work is is how i came to where i am today right for sure what what kept you going because your your friends were kind of giving up on it and you said that you kept going was was it just the love for music or was it something else no, it was just a love for music. I loved making music, so I just mm. kept on going. I like that you mentioned hard work because I think uh, I think some producers don't talk about that enough. Uh, it's it's really what it takes. Yeah, because these days you
0: have all these tools that kind of make it more easy. You know, you have all these massive sounds that you didn't have a long time ago. So you, you do, don't really know how how much work you need to put in to make a good track because back in the day where you didn't ha- even have VSTs and if there was a VST they were really bad so you had to really make interesting music you know you had to find a way to make like a really good melody or something that would make the track interesting and today you have all these massive sounds so you can just kind of just yeah create something
1: quickly and you you don't learn how to make the track as interesting mm-hmm. yeah do you think there are downsides to to the fact that you can download uh, these days loops, construction kits, I think presets are fine, but you know this, but all this stuff, and you can kind of just chuck it in and and have a track. I think yeah. one downside to that is that um, there's just a lot of generic music coming up.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think uh, I think that's one of the reasons that you don't have kind of the same magic. Well, you have it, but it's it's more rare than it used to be because you have these construction kits where you don't need to put as as
1: much work as, as you needed to before. Right, right, exactly. Um, do you remember what the, the software was that, that you all started on? Um, yeah, it was uh, Sony Acid.
0: <laughs> it's uh, I, I still use it today, actually, to make really? my podcast, but it's a production software as well, and I was using a program called EJ also. Ah, yes, yeah they were kind of similar because I mean all the music we made was just kind of loops and sequences and uh so it wasn't really producing or composing it was kind of putting these pieces together and then you know everyone was using the same loops and then uh, I came up with the idea to download samples from from the internet and use mm-hmm. that to make things more interesting and different um, yeah, that's that's what we used back then. And what are you using uh, nowadays? Uh, now I use Cubase, uh, but before that I was using the, the early version of FL Studio, which was only called Fruity Loops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that was a step from Sony Acid to Cubase, because with mm. Fruity Loops you, can, you had to compose and you have to do some more mixing and stuff like that. So I think from
1: Fruity Loops was where I started to get into the real production, so to say right and what made you switch from uh fruity loops or fl studio to cubase uh, i had a friend that was working with cubase and i
0: think it was when i got my first hardware synthesizer i don't think you could record with fruit loops or the like the hmm. midi sequencing there was wasn't good so i think think i actually recorded in cubase and then i imported it into fl studio but eventually i just kind of switched over to cubase because it it seemed more
1: professional and seemed a better program to to know yeah i've heard good things about it i mean it's not that it's not that common compared to logic or ableton live or fl studio no. um but the people who i've talked to who do use it say it's extremely powerful like it's useful yeah. film production and composition as well
0: yeah, there's a lot, a lot of um, big artists that use it. and mm-hmm. But I think it is, it's really good for like recording live instruments, like band, band stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing all this hard work, um, getting well into trance music. Was was there a point where you looked at what you were doing and saw massive potential in it, like that you were going to have a future in music?
0: Um, I guess I always kind of felt that I had a potential. Um
1: uh, mm-hmm.
0: But like, the first music I put out was just horrible, you know. It wasn't even music. <laughs> it was kind of noise, and it was more, like, progressive. But then my ideas got better, and, and my friends kept saying, like, every time I sent them a sample, they would say, oh, you're getting much better and better for each mm-hmm. thing you send. So I noticed that were that were things were getting better, you know. Things weren't going that fast, but they were going the right direction. So that's kind of what I, what I was uh, listening to. And um, actually... The first release I had was um, a track that I did with a friend. It was called Havana with a guy yeah, called yeah. Rez. And at that point, my production skills wasn't good enough, but my ID skills were good enough. So uh, combining his uh, skills of producing and, and understanding like modern production and what it takes to have a release with my IDs, that
1: was like a, a winning concept. Yeah, because that's quite a, a well-known track, isn't it? Yeah, it was, had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to producers who are in that position? Like they're, they're not quite making good music yet, but they know the ideas are there. What advice would you give to them? I think the best thing to do is just make a lot of tracks and don't
0: focus on having a release. You know, I think so many people are focused on the end goal. Like they want to do the tours and they want to have the uh, state of trance place and Future your of place and so on. But it, it, you need to work hard to get there. And, and in order to get there, you need to make a lot of music to learn new things, discover new things and, and get better. So I would suggest like, doing a lot of tracks, uh, put them out online, get feedback, proper feedback. Um, and that's also important to get proper feedback because so many people say, oh, wow, well, nice track, amazing and so yeah, on. Yeah. When it
1: in fact, isn't amazing. Yeah, exactly. So, that's um, what your, that's what your friends will say. Cause
0: they yeah, don't want exactly. to be mean. <laughs> so how yeah. would you,
1: how would you go? Cause I get this question all the time. Um, well, a I get a lot of people asking me for feedback and unfortunately I can't, give feedback to everyone but i also get people asking me how they can get good feedback because if if you just upload your track to soundcloud and you don't do anything else you probably won't get good feedback so how do you think what do you think is a good way to go about getting feedback from people solid feedback that actually helps I think finding a friend
0: or a producer that's honest and that has success in, in the scene that knows what, what he or she is talking about, I think that's the best way, that's the way uh, I did it. But you can also uh, use forms, but you need to be careful because some people in the forums don't really know what they're talking about, <laughs> but some do. So you got to be able to kind of see which feedback it's is good and what mm. is bad. But definitely have some, like, one or two or three people that, that would like to help you that you can send your music to.
1: Yeah, it's great advice. Uh, you've just put out a remix of a song called Come Get Some by Indecent yeah. Noise, which is phenomenal, by the way. The, the drop oh, at three minutes, 20 yeah. seconds just blew me away. Um, been listening thanks. to that on repeat. How, how did that remix come about and what did the production process look like? well actually it was uh, I was on on Twitter and
0: I heard the track played uh on a state of trance and I sent a tweet like uh this is this is a great track and uh, uh Noise replied and said well you should re- you should remix it <laughs> and and the track the official a state of trance account said like yeah you should do it so I was like well awesome. it's not my 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 regular style but I'll give it a go because it will be a fun and interesting mm-hmm. project and um it was a bit hard actually I kind of knew very early on what I wanted to do with it and how it w- it would end up sounding but the production process was kind of hard there was, was a lot of roadblocks uh, that I hit but I, I eventually saw them but um, it was interesting I think uh, I learned a lot by doing the remix and mm. and that's another good tip for producers to remix and try new things that are not your style because you will learn a lot and it's it's very inspiring
1: absolutely what what kind of roadblocks did you encounter
0: um well first of all the the kind of lead plug thing in the track was a, an audio sample mm. so i had to find ways to uh, manipulate the audio sample because usually i have it in a synth where you can turn knobs telephone stuff like that to make the sound you want but with an audio sample, you can't do that. You have to find other ways to do it. So I, I found a few plugins. Um, I don't really remember exactly which, uh, but I had to, you know, find new ways to work to 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 make it happen. And uh, there was some artifacts that I had to uh, solve and take care of as well. I think um, the plug was hitting strangely against the kick. Mm. In a way that it was just sound like the kick was uneven. Uh, right, I'm not yeah. sure exactly why. So what I did was use the LFO tool. Uh, you can use volume shaper as well. And I just made like a, a a little space right in the beginning of the kick. So the the beginning of the kick, like the the transient, the the attack, was completely free from uh, the plug, and that mm. kind of
1: solved the problem. It cleared it up right gotcha you mentioned that uh the song wasn't like it was kind of a a different style for you but your sound has changed a little bit over the years because i remember like i was listening to your your old material and then must have been some stuff around 2012 um which was much more aggressive and then one one track of yours is in my spotify playlist called uh, called slam which is completely different altogether Is that because I know what the the trance scene is like, especially the uplifting <laughs> trance community? They are not yeah. they are not that kind. Uh, did you yeah. receive a little bit of you know of uh, a few complaints for doing that? Uh, yeah, I
0: received <laughs> a lot actually, and some were very harsh. You know, people can be very rude and mean. Um, mm. But I don't regret doing doing uh, what I did because it was very rewarding, very inspiring. And it was what I wanted to do at the moment. And, I, and mm-hmm. I think that's important to do what you you feel like at the moment. And a lot of people say, well, you're just doing this for the money and you're doing this because this is popular right now. And, and no, I didn't. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. dri- driving a Ferrari. I mean, <laughs> I didn't get rich on that. I, I did what I felt was good and inspiring and um yeah the tracks did pretty well i think but there was a lot of people that that didn't like it and, and i understand them but mm. no i have
1: to to listen to listen to myself as well how do you how do you deal with those kind of comments because i know some people it doesn't affect them at all and for other people it it really affects them they they take it to heart and um they get really down how do you personally deal with them
0: um i think I think you just have to get used to it i mean Mm. uh, sometimes i I take it to heart and i take it too personal which is 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 not good but you have to to see the overall feedback because it's easy to to focus on those few negative comments especially Mm. in the forums where they're like trashing anyone and they they can say any anything and they they just talk a lot of of negative stuff but i think you have to realize that you you can't please everyone um it's better to please yourself first well that's not (laughs) constraint. but yeah you have to listen to yourself and do what feels right for you and and if you do your best and what you believe in then then you can't change that i mean Mm. you did your best and you listen to yourself what more can you do you can't do do anything else
1: yeah no that's that's fantastic advice um why do you think the the trance scene specifically is is like that um Like I feel like there's a lot of elitism in the scene as if you don't make 138 beats per minute uplifting trance. You're not a true trance artist. Why do you think people act like that?
0: Well, I think maybe they're very passionate and they know exactly what they like and they're not, they don't like change Mm -hmm. maybe. Um, But I think I've seen it in in other genres as well. So I'm I'm not sure exactly how trance it is, but I know exactly what you mean. And, I know some people are more open and some people are very close minded and they, they just like one type of sound and they refuse to like anything else. I mean, if you put something different in there, they can say, well, that snare at two minutes 50 seconds is ruining the
1: whole track. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've seen those kind of comments. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, it definitely exists in, in other genres as well. Uh, it's not limited to trance I think I just said yeah. trance because that's the community I'm in and so I yeah. see it all the time uh, one one thing about all your productions and, and a lot of people talk about this your fans people that listen to your music all your songs have a ton of energy and this is something that I know a lot of producers struggle with they struggle to either build energy or even create energy in their music in the first place uh, what do you think what, what tips would you give to those producers? Or if I can rephrase the question, what do you think contributes to energy in a song? I think it's the, overall, um, it's the overall
0: sound, how everything comes together. I mean, sometimes just the volume of the kick can make a big difference in how much energy the track has. But then it's, is about combining the right uh, sounds and combining the right right sounds in the right key. Like some kick drums only works with some keys, so um, you gotta kind of just try different things, and you need to to replace what's not working, and just kind of keep trying. It because that's what I did. When my tracks lacks energy, usually just add or remove, and just keep working and working until. The, the energy is there, pretty much. Um, but yeah, you have another good tip is, is use reference tracks. That's really important. And if you use reference tracks, you can see what kicks works good with what bass lines. And that, that's the foundation of, of energy in the track. And then you can see what else they do, what else kind of sounds and rhythms that is
1: contributing to the, to the drive and energy yeah that makes a lot of sense so so just keep pushing through how yeah. how long because because a lot of your tracks are quite complex i think uh i mean a, a classic of yours painting pyramids yeah. first time i heard that i was like wow this must have taken a long time to make <laughs> um, yeah yeah it did how long on average does it take for you to, to finish a track i think a lot of tracks takes four or five six
0: months but wow that's that's me being maybe a bit lazy because that's <laughs> a bit too long i mean some tracks needed maybe but sometimes it, it takes too long but i think with painting pyramids maybe two or three months mm. something like that mm.
1: wow <laughs> um you've you've done a ton of remixes along with the originals yep. do you find when you're working on a remix that the production process is a little bit different um yeah i think it is because
0: whenever i hear a track that i'm gonna remix i kind of know right away what i want to do with it mm. and then you have to to take into account what elements there are uh what what key the the track is and you have to kind of build it around that and you have to see what elements um how to, to make the structure and because yeah i th- i believe that you should make a remix very personal because so many remixes sounds like a rework or a Mm. a straight copy of the original so you need to find a way to make it sound like a remix but also make it sound like your own track um
1: so definitely uh yeah it's it's different yeah for sure do you like i know when i work on a remix i'll only listen to the original track once uh because if i listen to it too often i'll just make it too too similar do you have any tricks like that that you use uh when you um
0: i do exactly that trick actually
1: um because you shouldn't be too
0: inspired of the original but uh, it, it's good to check the the original again in the final process because usually there's might be a sample or something that you missed mm. that would be cool to uh, to put in um other than that i think it's it's very important to kind of know the basic idea and concept of your remix how it should sound before you start because well you can experiment too um Mm -hmm. but kind of know what direction you want so you don't work a lot and then realize that
1: well Mm -hmm. this is not working or this is doesn't sound like like me my remix right exactly uh i've had a few questions i think via email from new new producers and they ask should i work on you know i'm a new producer should i focus on remixes or originals or both what are your thoughts on that i think both Uh, i mean
0: remixing a track you you uh you can see how they work why they work how they're built and you can learn a lot uh, from that but then it's also important to experiment yourself without any boundaries or limits like working on original material just use your inspiration just create uh so it's so it's important to both
1: uh learn and to do i think that's that's crucial Mm -hmm. talking about originals how when you sit down to start a new project how do you how do you start it like does it change every time do you have a certain workflow that you use how does that look um, usually I start with the,
0: the main theme the main melody because I want that melody to be good enough to, to lift the whole track that should be like the star of the track and mm-hmm. if after you make the main theme it's it's easier to build the track but sometimes I start from a beat or something like that so it it, it can differ but I think my favorite way to start is doing the, the main theme first that's definitely
1: a winner if you come up with something good right for sure i know <laughs> i know a lot of people put that off and then they get stuck in the project because yeah they've worked on the easy stuff first and then yeah they have to come up with the melody and, and they can't and yeah i think that's great advice yeah um a lot of trance producers especially struggle with baselines. uh you know the multi-layered uplifting trance baselines. Yeah, what what are some tips or tricks that you would give for you know base layering or programming in that style? Well, I think it's it's
0: different to uh, try different layers. I think some of my early work had like maybe six or seven bass layers. I think maybe that's a bit too much because uh, I don't think you can hear all of the all of the layers. But definitely, a layer try different layers and combining different uh, rhythms. Just don't put one rolling bass line and put like five layers on that because that's not going to work. So maybe you can try offbeat sub bass line and a rolling uh, mid bass line and then you can have like a single bass hit on top of that to make it uh, more interesting. But be careful to not put too many different rhythms so it kind of sounds messy and and hard to follow because... A proper
1: rhythm contributes to the track as well. Yeah, I suppose if you add too many rhythms, you have no rhythm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you do you encounter creative block or writer's block, and and if so, how do you overcome it? Mm, yeah, I encounter it a lot. Uh, I I actually had a,
0: a a kind of bad year where I had a lot of creative block, where everything I did didn't sound good enough, and I wasn't very inspired. I think the best way to, to handle it is to realize that it's just temporary and it can break anytime. And the more you work, uh, the bigger chance is it for the roadblock to um uh, to come down. So it's, it's important not to give up and just kind of try to relax, maybe take a few days off and just go in the studio and have fun, experiment. Don't make it too serious because if you just sit down and say, okay, now we're going to make a track and it's easy to kind of get pressured and and easily stuck. So uh, a good way is just play around, have fun, Uh, maybe buy a new plugin, buy some new sound banks, just go through some sample libraries, some new
1: presets and and see see where you can get from that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, I know personally and and for a lot of other artists, the best songs for me have come out of those sessions where where I've just sat down and said, you know what, I'm not going to even think about making a song. I'm just going to chuck down a few things, maybe try out a different genre and something good always comes from that. Uh, I think another thing that I'm a huge fan of is process over product. And I think that a lot of producers kind of get tunnel vision and they they feel like they you know they have to make a track by the end of the week or yeah. they have to get a release on armada you know, they have to get dj support for this and that can be pretty bad for the creative process because uh, yeah. there's so much pressure um involved yeah what what is the the biggest challenge you'll face so far in your journey as an artist because it's been quite a while um, I think it's, it's always difficult to be consistent,
0: but be consistent with good material because I, I, I don't want to disappoint people and I hate to see they come well, it sounds okay, but you know, your previous work was much mm-hmm. better or something mm-hmm. like that. That's uh, not a fun read, but I think being consistent has always been my main issue because I always want to deliver something special. I want to make a hit every time. And I think that's a good way to see it but it's also bad because it creates pressure and it it makes things not really happen it gets stuck and there's too much pressure for next release i mean is it good enough or people gonna be blown away by it so i think that's um the most difficult thing that i experience
1: yeah i imagine that's tough how do how do you deal with that Do you just have to you know tell yourself that, that it's stupid to think that or how do you get rid of the pressure um.
0: well I think I just make music until I have something that I feel is um, is good it doesn't need to be like uh, the best track ever it doesn't need to be like interesting and something that I feel is good um, but well it's, it's
1: hard sometimes but um, I think yeah that's yeah, yeah of that's course. what I do uh Okay, a few more questions and then yep. we we'll wrap this up. what What's your studio look like? What's in your studio?
0: Um, it's, it's a pretty basic uh, setup. I have my my studio PC, of course, and then I have uh, a couple of uh, KRK VXT six monitors, mm-hmm. and they're on ESO uh, Acoustics uh, stand because the stand kind of um, handles the the vibration from the bass, so yep. they improve the sound a bit. And then I have a, a Steinberg URM28 uh, audio interface. And that's a really nice one because it has uh, inputs for microphones. You can connect uh, three setups of uh, monitors to it. And you wow. have like a volume button as, as well on uh, on two headphones. So it's kind of are like a a mini audio center as well. And then... I just got a pair of um, Cube speakers from uh, um, uh, Beringer. They're called Baritone C50, I think. Yeah, yeah. And those are pretty nice because they kind of um, expose the mid-range a bit more than my other monitors. And they... um, they translate the, the music a bit differently, which is good. And then I have a M M-Audio media controller and a small uh, core nano key too, which is kind of nice. Mm. And that's it. I used to have a, a, a Novation K-Station synthesizer, but I, I don't have it anymore because it's available in a VST. Do you uh, make music while you travel, while you're on tour? Yeah, but just... I just sketch ideas but I, I, I'm not making that much music on tour actually because mm. I, I'm i working on my sets and doing edits and mashups and stuff like that when I'm on tour but I do some production and I, I'm i actually using Studio One from Prisoners on my laptop because I don't want to bring my um, USB dongle from Cubase <laughs> mm. uh, I brought it once and I lost it so oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good as, so yeah, that's um, that's my simple... Oh yeah, and I have two a pair of headphones too that I check my mix on. Uh, I have my DDF phones Pioneer um, HD25. Yep. A- and then I have uh, the Bayer Dynamic DT77
1: Pro. Ah, the 770 headphones. Pro. Yeah, great headphones. Uh, so you, you've got an upcoming release desert style that's what it's called yeah is there anything else exciting that you can you're allowed to talk about that's coming in the near future
0: um well i'm working on a new vocal track uh will be on uh, on fsoe two, but i have some uh, problems with um uh, finding the the right vocalist um so right now i'm working with a friend on it but he's a bit busy so we're Uh, I think finishing next month the instrumental is pretty much done but we're uh, still working on the vocal so that's uh, yeah that's the next thing and uh, I have a new single coming up next month I think I'm still waiting for uh, for all the details for that yet but I will announce it soon on my uh,
1: social medias awesome can't wait for that Uh, final question it's a little bit of a weird one uh, if you were, let's say you're walking down the street in, in Sweden and yep. uh, aliens come along and they abduct you, uh, but they say to you, you, here's a piece of paper and a pen. You can leave three pieces of advice to producers on there. Uh, what would um, be on that piece of paper? Wow, well, that's a difficult one. Um, I
0: think I would write work hard as one. The other one is Be Original, Be Yourself. And the third is uh, Use Reference Tracks. (laughs) Love it. So I think those three would be very useful.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that's (laughs) crucial advice. Well, Bjorn, thanks Heats for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, And where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you?
0: I have my website, bjornakesson.com and then Facebook, uh, Bjorn Akerson Music, and uh, then Twitter, uh, Bjorn underscore Akason. Awesome. That's uh, where you can find all the info.